Okay, good evening. Thanks for joining us again. Just to remind you, the purpose of the Performance Insight Sessions is to share information, discuss why we train the way that we train, and also to get inspiration from some high-performance guest speakers. I'm really delighted today that we've got Mary Cummins has agreed to join us. Uh, Mary is a senior chartered physiotherapist. He has also got additional training in orthopedic medicine, Pilates and acupuncture, so a very rounded set of skills. She's the owner and founder of Empower Physiotherapy and Pilates based in Octorada, where she's been working with athletes in the general public. And she's also got a lot of experience working in the sports industry, working with football clubs, rugby clubs, and some of the national teams across Scotland. She's got an interesting triathlon and county cross that she does with her sidekick, Tina. And in the areas of triathlon, she's competed in middle distances, such as Aberfeldy. She's done iron distances at the Outlaw. And this year, she podiumed at the Castle Howard. So in addition to being a, a great physio, she's an accomplished triathlete. So I think some of the things she's going to discuss and share with, with us today are, are very relevant. And she's also a, an athlete as well as a, as a physio. So we're going to structure the session is we're going to discuss why injury prevention is important to us. We're going to hear from Mary some of the common injuries she's seen with those sports people, and particularly in triathlon. And then finally, we're going to learn about what we can all do as triathletes to prevent injuries and some practical prehab routines that we can use so that hopefully we can all stay injury-free. Okay, Mary, so uh, let's start off. What's... What's it mean to be a physiotherapist and what's involved? Uh, okay, so I would probably say thanks for that very generous introduction. That was very kind, uh, but very accurate, definitely very accurate. Um, so to be a physio and what does it involve? Ultimately, it's being able to be effectively assessing and treating and creating a plan for return to task or sport for an individual as a partnership process between the physio and the patient as much as possible. There are times where you have to be very directive and clear and other times where it's a bit of to and fro and a little bit more negotiated. Personally, being a physio is definitely a, a balance of patience and empathy and passion for your job. You should have a thirst to know better and therefore be better for both yourself and your clients and being organized obviously helps from a practical point of view. For me, I'm a science and a stats girl, so I'm very evidence and research guided with my delivery of physio. It's a balance to really knuckle down on what we, and when I say we, I mean me and the patient, identify as important to the whole person, not just the injury. And that makes a huge difference to the overall outcome. So helping people be empowered to see the opportunity that injury provides and not always the problem. And knowing your anatomy obviously helps. So ultimately, I would say I work in an evidence-based biopsychosocial model rather than a purely medical model. Brilliant. So that sounds a lot more rounded, just going in and fixing an arm or a leg. So it sounds a lot more holistic. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, the evidence backs up that you don't have your mental health, but your physical or your emotional. So you've got to be respectful of all of those elements to help somebody be better as well. Okay. Uh, I think we, we might come back to that shortly. But if we look at, you know, a lot of athletes ideally probably never want to see you <laughs> because that means that something's gone wrong. Mm. But there are probably things that you see where they come to your practice and they're probably chronic injuries that could have been prevented if they come come to you a little bit earlier or mm. if they had some knowledge and skill set that they could maybe prevent an injury. So mm -hmm. what, why do you think sort of injury prevention 
and I think they call it, you know, prehab. What, why is that important to, to focus on that as athletes and individuals? There's a, there's a massive importance for it, for sure. Um, but you can't, you can't really stop injuries from happening. Uh, we use our body and therefore things can and do go awry. Um, prehab is about using exercises or strength conditioning that is sports specific to reduce the chance of injury. So prehab is an essential component of maintaining your overall health and well-being, especially for individuals involved in sports and being really active, um, or even if it's your Joe Blogs down the street who is a joiner or you know that just isn't just office-based, that does require a little bit more input. The stuff you get away with at 20, you don't get away with at 40, you don't get away with at 60. So you need to be mindful of how the body changes over time and the effort that you need to put in to make sure you've got enough reserves to be able to produce the results that you want, whether that is, you know, performing your job because you run your business and you're getting paid based on what you're earning, like what time you spend there versus actually if you're going to compete at the 70.3 world champs, you need to know that there's a level of prep that needs to go into those things. And if you can be more organized and mindful of that, then you're less likely to pick up an issue. And, and so how, in your experience, how, how much time would you recommend or how much would you spend per week on doing prehab routines and exercises? Uh, you want two quality sessions a week. So it's not every day. I mean, there are some things that you could do every day that will certainly put you in a better position, like doing a bit of mindfulness, stress management, stretching. All of those things can be helpful on a daily basis. But certainly if you're talking about specific exercises and a solid sports specific strength conditioning program twice a week. OK, so you, you mentioned you mentioned mindfulness as well as sports specific stuff. So what? Do you have a routine that you do yourself? Because you, you're, you're, you're an athlete, you do a lot of training. Do you have a sort of a, a ritual routine that you would follow on a sort of a, a week on week, month on month? Uh, for myself, I do a combination of things. So I teach Pilates twice a week. And because at the moment it's on Zoom, that requires me to do everything for the duration of the hour. Whereas when you're face to face, you get away with doing just a couple of minutes and then you get up and you seat everybody else and then you come back down and you do a couple of minutes. So you never really do a full class. So I do a full class twice a week, every week and have done for well, three years, however long COVID's been going. Um, so for me, that is helpful because that's a whole body strengthening process. And the other thing is about getting a bit of cross training balance in. So spending a bit of time doing the other stuff that you love because ultimately if it makes you happy in your head and your heart it's going to help keep the body going as well so it is a bit of balance there so being open to opportunities but managing that risk if that makes sense yeah 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 and this in in terms of the the mindfulness part what, what would you recommend or what have you done in that that area for me it's about breathing control and for me it's about trying to focus on the stuff that you feel you've had the successes it's where the locus of control is so bringing it back to you it's not about actually I want to beat this person or I want to be better than that team or how I was last year you kind of want to be a bit more about well these are what my internal goals are because th those are the things you have control over if you are putting them as external then you can't predict how somebody else is going to perform. Balancing that stress that you put yourself under with other activities, I think is helpful. So if that's reading, if that's breathing, if that's walking the dog, if that's literally getting on the phone to your sister and having a blast down the phone to take the stress levels out, then that's what you do. 
you find what works for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having that sort of like that quality time, being present, being mindfulness, mm-hmm. you think that that's really important. I, I totally agree with that. I think the Pilates and, and doing that sort of more active core stuff, and then you mentioned the sports specific strength and conditioning. When you talked about your introduction of what your your philosophy of physiotherapy involves, it, it seemed quite quite broad and quite holistic. So, are there other areas that we can prevent things? And what I'm thinking here is around you know the time that we spend sleeping, what we eat, how we how we manage stress in general. Have you got a view on that? Yeah, one hundred percent. So to a degree, you can reduce your risk, but not always prevent to manage what I call the low hanging fruit or the easy wins makes a huge difference to your body's ability to reduce the risk of sport related injury. So for me, there are five key areas. So when you're talking about something like sleep, there's a massive um, link between injury and sleep. What is So it's important to understand what good sleep is, what bad sleep is, and how you can be better with sleep. So the amount of sleep that consistently has been found to be associated with increased risk of injury is less than seven hours. So when that's sustained for at least 14 days, so two weeks, um, it has been associated with a 1.7 times greater risk of injury. So the role that sleep on um, sort of musculoskeletal or body pain is important to understand um, because studies in both children and adults have found that suboptimal sleep more consistently predicts next day pain as compared with pain predicting subsequent sleep loss. So it's not that pain will make you have poor sleep, but poor sleep will make your pain levels much more sensitive. And between um, athletes and non-athletes, they found that 22 to 30% of athletes will have disturbed sleep. So that all contributes to your risk um, of injury. And the literature overall suggests that the deficit sleep may have multiple negative effects, aside from just a huge link to cardiovascular disease and obesity. Suboptimal sleep affects a variety of cognitive factors ranging from your executive function, so the decisions that you make, um, as well as your attention, your learning, your mental performance and your mental health. So poor sleep also affects a variety of performance parameters. So your strength, your speed, your endurance. So in a real terms example would be when athletes are returning from off season to training camp, which is a period where injury incidences typically massively increase, whether that's because people think, oh, I was this fit when I finished and now I'm just going back into the same level and I'm doing as much as I did before without thinking, actually, I need to kind of taper up a little bit. Could be that, and it may be just to, the increase in frequency intensity of workouts with greater effects occurring earlier in training camps. And this greater incidence of injury is not solely attributed to an increase in training load, but occurs with concomitant sleep disturbance. So making sure that you are getting the right level of exposure and controlling that need to be, I don't need to be the best from the get go, knowing it's okay to taper into your sessions is equally important. So the links between sleep and Um, injury are huge so when you think about well what is good sleep then so the national sleep foundation's consensus statement agreed that the following measures throughout all age groups indicated a good night's sleep so sleep latency so that's how long it takes you to get to sleep should be less than 15 minutes you should have one or fewer awakenings per night and you should um and you should be awake after sleep in less than 20 minutes and your sleep efficiency, so what you mean by sleep efficiency is the ratio between the time a person spends asleep and the total time dedicated to sleep 
i.e. both sleeping and attempting to fall asleep or fall back to sleep, should be more than 85% of the time in bed, you know? All of those things contribute to good sleep, yeah? Yeah, and I think, I, I, I mean, I totally agree that sleep is, is, is so important. And I think now with the wearable devices, we can actually measure these things empirically as, as individuals and as athletes and see them, you know, whether you've got, you know, HRV monitors or, 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 or whoop bands, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's the free gift that you can give yourself. And I think with our busy work, training schedules and lifestyles, getting yeah. a good quality of sleep is, is absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. What, what, what about the nutritional side of, of, of injury prevention? Do you have any thoughts on that? In terms of nutrition, it's another easy win in terms of managing your risk. So what, what you put in your engine makes a huge difference to how it performs and how it recovers from sport and injury. So you've got to consider various factors like for women, hormonal changes can have an impact if they're vegan or vegetarian or, or carnivore and how you're getting the right balance from all sources. So if you're not eating meat, where you're getting your protein from and how that is and then what ratio that is. Um, and it's being sure that you're getting the right level of nutrition when you're training versus when you're pre-competition competition recovery as well and having a good nutritionist available for those conversations is really important so nutrition specifically definitely out with what i would call my scope of practice but knowing that it plays a huge part in terms of injury recovery i worked with a badminton player who was age group or for scotland for the under 21s and she couldn't quite get on the other side of her knee pain and she this was during covid and found that she was just really worried about putting on weight while she wasn't in training camp and still maintaining her fitness and then found that she had developed not an eating disorder but disordered eating and putting her in touch with the right people meant that she had a better understanding of ah this is what I need to be able to perform with the calories that are required with the energy output that's demanded of the sport that I do and our knee improvement was significant after that. So there's no point in giving somebody loads of exercises or loads of hands-on treatment if actually your body's using its minimal reserves or not enough of what it needs to be able to restore that function whilst addressing the stress levels of not being where she wants to be or should be and worrying about not performing at the level that she feels she should be. And then you see the link between the mental and the emotional and the physical health comes through quite strongly. Yeah, yeah. And and I think yeah, having that sort of balance between you know, what we said earlier around the physical aspects of, of, of looking after yourself and, and preventing injury with the sleep and nutrition, I think if you look at those three pillars, I think you've got a solid foundation for, for, for general health as well and health and well-being. So if we move, move, move off from injury prevention and prehab for the moment and we take a look at triathlon, uh, mm -hmm. and you're a triathlete uh, as well as a physio, as we said, what, what are the common injuries that you see coming into the practice and you've seen out in, you know, in, in the field? So rather than get too much into specific injuries of specific areas of the body, I wondered whether it might be more helpful to give a, a more general overview of the broad indicators of injury. So yes, you're going to get shoulder-related injuries for swimmers, you're going to get back-related injuries for cyclists, you're going to get running-related injuries for the running part because it is a multidisciplinary event that goes over various distances. So for me, there are four main factors that I would consider relevant to common injuries within triathlon and triathletes. Um, again, because I'm a science girl and I'm a research-driven girl, it's about what they found in the past that helps predict what's likely to be happening going forwards. And as triathlon gets bigger and 
you know, more people are involved. The research is growing all the time, which is great. But in terms of injury for triathletes, there are four main areas that I would be looking at. One is overuse injuries. So when you're looking at the research, overuse injuries were most frequently reported in triathlon across all levels of participation. And the incidence in long distance, so that's like your iron distance plus, um, was pretty much the same as your standard distance or your shorter distance guys. So you're ranging between 37 to 91%. And it means that basically you're more likely than not to have an overuse injury, regardless of the distance that you do. There was a study done in 2003, which showed a six fold increase in all injuries in competition compared with training amongst long distance athletes. And there was a follow-up study done 10 years later, so 2013, which not only supported this, but also reported an increase in acute injury. Now, we differentiate injuries between acute and chronic by the time we've got it. So acute is three weeks or less. Um, and you find that there was an increase in acute injury incidence per 1,000 hours of competition. So you're more likely to get injury in competition than in training. And the most commonly cited overuse injury was in relation to the lower limb. So when you talk about the lower limb, you're talking your back, your hip, your knee, your ankle. And in terms of the disciplines within triathlon, running is the one that is most associated with this injury. So it's bearing in mind that if you're gonna do triathlon and do it for a, a, an extended period, that you are gonna have an overuse injury, that injury is likely to be somewhere from the back down and it's likely to be related to your running. Um, and it's something that is likely to be worse during competition, basically is what that information tells us. So one of the other factors is discipline specific is another area in which you're more likely to get injury. So the most cited, as I was just saying, so the most cited out of the three is your running and that's 58 to 72% of people will report or triathletes will report injury. Um, and it tends to be around the knee. So not only is it running, but it's the knees that give them most jeopardy. And it's either at the front of the knee or the side of the knee and it's tendon related. And the next most common thing is back pain, which is attributed to cycling. But the positive thing there is that most back pains resolve within a week. And if it's more than that, there's about 20% that's a little bit more than that. And that's probably when you need to go and have a conversation with somebody like a physio. Um, and the next thing after that, pardon me, is foot and ankle. And that's the next most common. So it's just knowing that some stuff will settle. Some stuff you can expect to be sore in certain disciplines and some stuff you definitely need to go and have a conversation with somebody. And it may be that it's something that's an easy fix in terms of a kit change or a bike fit or a technique modification. But until you have that conversation, you don't know. So for some stuff, it's like, give it a, give it a little bit of time, see how it goes. If it's not settling, then go and get a bit of reassurance from somebody. Your third bit is probably other categories, what I would call. So that's looking at stuff like your um, dehydration and your hyponatremia, which is your sodium levels. So this is where, particularly in your longer distance, your iron distance plus, it's making sure you're getting your hydration levels right because you will spend so long. These are multiple hour events. It's making sure that you're not um, coming below where you need to be. Consequence of that are all the other like... Um, being cramping and thermal regulation issues and all that kind of stuff, which isn't great. So making sure that you're looking after yourself with what you're taking on and that you're taking on enough and not like overloading. And then the final one is probably your, um, what I would call your WTF factor. So, you know, it's injuries you pick up 
not within training or competition or related to triathlon, like going down the stairs and the cat stood between you and the last step and you avoided the cat and then went over your ankle and hit your head off the banister kind of stuff, you know? And they're the ones that will also contribute to injury and affect performance. So those kind of life injuries that you think, how, how, just how have you done that? So yeah, those are more the broad categories I would I would be mindful of in terms of triathletes and injury. Yeah, that's really that's really useful. And one question I've got on the overuse, and you said about the lower limb. Have you seen an increase in triathletes and runners due to sort of the carbon plated shoes? I know there's some there's some studies that I've I've read around people that use them not just for race day, but they're using them all the time, and that's led to some lower limb issues. Is that something yeah. you come across? There's certainly various chat about it. There's some really good podcasts you can listen to. The Science of Sport podcast is a really good one um, delivered by a couple of really good South African um, runners, but also cyclists and also sports scientists, which is great. Um, and they they talk about um, carbon plate shoes and the effect that they have and what impact that has in terms of injury risk. And some of the research is a bit conflicting that, yes, you have a higher risk of injury with these things, but most injuries there's a really good physio that i respect a lot who describes running related injuries like a hangover you do too much too soon you let it settle and then you just do it all over again so it's making sure that you are trying to manage what you're doing that you're pacing the volume right that you're not doing too many hill sprint sessions and that if you're running a route and it's the same route that it's all going to have a camber so make sure you run the route in reverse in reverse or you um, change your route as best you can so that you get that variety of surface that you're on but it's everything in moderation so giving yourself exposure to different types of footwear as well as carbon plated shoes so it's it's a mixture really it's not a straightforward definitely definitely you're having higher instances of risk some podiatrists would say yes others would say no so it's just a bit of moderation listen to your body really yeah, and I love the analogy with the hangover. I mean, certainly if you've done an iron distance event, it is painful. Uh, and, and it's more painful the next day as well. Yeah. But then after a few days, you forget, and then you sign up for the next one. So I think that's a great, great analogy. Yeah. Um, so so we've looked at some prehab. You've, you've given us a really good insight into the four areas that we can look at are related to, to triathlon. If you were to give people some practical advice around what they can do to prevent these injuries, what you know, what what would you what would you recommend, and what what is it you do? Okay, so if we're talking about you know overuse, you're talking about stress, you're talking about sleep, and you're talking about other. So it's making sure you're getting the right information from the right people to be able to put you in the best informed position that you can be going forward. So making sure that you figure out what's right for your body for nutritional intake for the event that you're trying to do because what you're going to take on at an iron distance is going to be entirely different from what you take on at a sprint distance and making sure that you are mapping that in relation to what's happening in your life as well so work-wise and home life-wise and can you predict where there's going to be periods of high stress and how are you going to manage that so being organized with your time and being organized with prioritizing where you're likely to peak in terms of right okay so I'm definitely taking these six weeks off because I'm just up to the guts with training at the moment and I need to just I've had a full-on season and I need a bit of downtime before I can power up again 
So it's knowing actually, right, now I know how to pace it and know that I'm not going in hard and fast with that. But that's also probably going to come with a bit of sleep disturbance because 22 to 30% of athletes will have disturbed sleep. And what is the impact of that and putting those measures in place? So is that going to bed a little bit earlier, refreshing on what good sleep hygiene is? So being aware of what those things are and how you manage them is going to be specific to you as an individual. Yeah. Have you have you ever been injured? Yes. Yes, I have. So it's a it's definitely a tough process um, and it can be a longer process than you want. And like everybody else that comes into my clinic, I wanted it fixed yesterday. So my recent one has probably been a hamstring or in January time where I was coming off a period of stress through Christmas, not being 100 percent fit when I probably should have gone yeah I don't feel great I should probably just bend the session off and had it been any other and I was doing a hill rep session funnily enough and I think had it been a patient and they'd said well I kind of felt it at this point but I only had two laps to go so I would have said just stop at that point whereas because I only had two laps to go I did the two laps and then couldn't really get out of the car at the other end after 25 minutes driving home so that was a learning process and it, the recovery process as well is good I think to give you better empathy and understanding for your patient as well so that took me january through to march and i thought i was there and then went did it then did another hill rep session and was like well, yeah i'm definitely not there yet so set myself back i would say 40 percent, maybe even 50 percent. so which gave me the kick in the backside to really knuckle down on your rehab be more consistent with it and i had the whole team that i was working with at the time we were all doing nordic curls which is a hamstring loading exercise and we were all doing it, working it progressively three times a week and up the reps and up the numbers. So, yeah, it definitely is an experience to be injured when you you have that slight worry in the back of your head about events that are coming up. And you think, God, I've spent this much time training and financial costs that you've committed to it through coaching and services for the bike and kit that you've bought and like warm up entries towards the A race of your season and all that quietly rumbling around in the back of the head and thinking, Oh, I can still feel it every time I stand up. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't I don't feel it when I stand up. Maybe I can go and do that hill hill rep session. <laughs> so it's it's balance. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely been injured. Yeah. And would you would you recommend things like your know, massage to, to help? Yeah, you because know, certainly when you're you're training and you're peaking to a race, as you mentioned, the the volume of training you're doing would increase. So in terms of just keeping things aligned and to try and make sure that you're looking after your body in addition to the, the mental side. Is that something that you would, you, you would advocate? Oh, hundred percent. There's definitely a place for um, manual therapy in terms of treatment and maintenance and um, looking after yourself for sure, particularly at that um, coming close to race season and, and your A race. My experience as a physio has, and my learning has definitely changed over that time. And I think it's really important that you do, you are flexible with your learning because the evidence will dictate that. And I, I used to be very, no, you can't put your hands on somebody because then you're taking the locus of control and they will expect you to fix them when actually it's a bit more nuanced than that. So certainly if, if somebody is feeling like actually my hammies are really tight or my back is a bit sore because I've been doing five, six, seven hours on the turbo and they want to go and get some soft tissue work or they come in and see me and say, listen, can we work on this or that? I have absolutely zero problem with that because it's, again, comes back to that balance between how does it make you feel between the ears? How does it make you feel in the heart? And how does it make you feel locally to that tissue? And if they get off the table and say, God, I feel loads better for that because they've lain flat, they've had their back stretched out and their hamstring stretched out and worked in a way that gives them a bit of confidence that that tissue can be 
firmly and confidently um, manipulated or or um, stretched out, whilst giving them space to kind of decompress or um, vent, then I feel like I've done a good job. Yeah, yeah. And what what about? Um, I mean, because I, I I try to go to a massage therapist, you know, every every probably couple of months, probably more. You know, probably should go more often, but but I've got you know. I've got the massage guns at home. I've got the foam rollers at home. Probably don't use them enough, but you know, having you know these additional um, access to additional sort of toys and and, and uh, devices, you know, in in a week, what what would the typical athlete need to be doing? What should they be doing on a, a week on week? Give us a practical, you know, Monday, Tuesday. If you were doing say eight hours of training, which a lot of the athletes who listen to this this podcast will be doing yeah I think you probably want to chuck in 20 minutes to maybe half an hour of either a stretch session whether that's on a video on YouTube or whether that's a routine that you've got yourself because that will do two things that will give you that tissue lengthening time and it will also give you that kind of quiet brain time and that cool down time so managing that heart rate variable and stuff you know and those stress levels so um or being on the foam roller or using the gun or all that kind of stuff is absolutely fine. But it's worth hee-haw if you then sit on Netflix till two in the morning. So all of these things are good, but you've got to make sure that you are using them with the awareness of how it fits into the bigger picture. So I wouldn't waste my time foam rolling or massage gunning if actually I'm then just going to sit till dot o'clock in the morning way past what is a reasonable bedtime for me to recover from that massive session that I've had that day and it's also knowing where that fits in relation to any injury management or any sort of general um care of yourself so these things are helpful but they are not the solution so if it's for somebody who's injury free and just looking to maintain themselves then yeah crack on and do it as often as you like for generally any stretch you're going to hold it's going to be anywhere between 20 and 30 seconds because again the research shows you that anything longer than 30 seconds you're not getting a huge benefit from it and anything much less than 20 seconds you're not giving the tissue the time to really give yourself a little bit of stretch there so 20 to 30 seconds is your optimal stretch hold time anywhere between three and five reps per tissue um, or per muscle group sorry per tissue um and yeah just put it in context of everything else you're doing okay no that's really good that and I, I think you've given us some great insights to what we should all be doing to prevent an injury i think you've given us a great insight into the four areas that you see that we've probably all suffered at various parts of our sort of triathlon and sporting sort of career and then i think you've just summarized there with some real practical things we can do so i know you're based in Oxarada, barry so if people you know um don't do all that great advice and they need a great physio or they want to come to a pilates class or, or get some acupuncture how how can they how can they find you and how can they contact you? Um, I am available through my website, which is empowerphysio.com. Uh, my email address is on there and my phone number is on there. I'm also on Instagram at empower underscore pp um, and always accessible. So do my best to answer as quickly as I can to anybody that wants to get in touch. But yeah, don't be afraid to be a stranger and say hello, obviously on Facebook as well. So Empower Physiotherapy and Pilates. Brilliant. Great. Well, thanks a lot for your time and uh, uh, really look forward to working with you. Uh, and hopefully I won't see you too much in a professional capacity if I do all the right things.
Yay. Get a good night's sleep. Nice and early to bed, Tony. <laughs>